Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball hosting today. Thank you for joining me and listening in and being part of our podcast as well as part of the Loving Liberty Network. We're honored to be able to rub shoulders with others that are helping Liberty Moms and Dads across Utah how to decipher the news and how to protect their families and their homes in these crazy days. And I'm telling you, Liberty Moms are the true secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their families, and their communities. And so thank you again for joining for joining in and listening. And I'm excited today. I am going to be talking with Philip Taylor. Philip has been a guest with us before on a different topic that dealt with education. And we're going to be taking a deep dive into really how to become truly self-sufficient in a world where we seem to be losing our autonomy as individuals and as families. And so I want to give you a little bit of background on Philip Taylor. He is the executive director of The People Restored. He is an experienced leader with 17 years of revenue generation, training, and management experience. He ran a $22 million sales site for Wyndham Destinations, and most recently, he was the Vice President of Development for the Firearms Policy Coalition. Philip is driven to build the solutions to restore American exceptionalism. He's married, father of, I'm going to say father of six, because you've got a new coming. Any, that's, that's the fifth one. <laughs> that's the fifth one. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've got five coming. Okay. You've got the fifth one coming any day. Sorry. I've added, I made your family bigger than what it already was. And um, he is also building an off-grid family farm, which I think a lot of people will find very interesting because we're getting to a point where we feel like it's almost impossible to really be off-grid. We are being... Um, uh, recorded, monitored, tracked, everything that you can possibly think of is happening in our world because of the technology that we're surrounded with. And so, Philip, thank you for taking time to be with me today. And there's so much to talk about, but I guess maybe um, to set the preface of what we're going to really discuss, which is private PMCs, private membership communities, maybe we should just get into um, the problems that we're having right now, because I do want to touch base and talk about the um, the Crofter app, if we have time for that, and the private membership yep. communities. And so these are all going to be resources for families to use as we move forward in this environment that we're in right now. And so I guess the best way to start maybe is recapping a little bit about where we find ourselves. I mean, Marlo Oaks, is, uh, our state treasurer from Utah, has painted the picture and exposed the ESG problem that we have. And that is basically trying to push Agenda 2030 or the Great Reset into our world. 
right? Private businesses and uh, government agencies and things like that, right? Absolutely. And so we have that problem going on. And then we had, uh, I, I was at an event that your group hosted, Restored, um, the People Restored last week. And Carson Jorgensen, who is a rancher, and he's also the state party chair of the GOP, was sharing the problems with the <clears throat> the ranching industry. Yeah. And they're not making any money. And if we lose our ranchers and people that are growing our food, okay, we're going to be in really dire straits. Definitely, definitely. And so um, tell us what you and your group is doing, Restored, the people Restored. What are you doing to help us? Because um, I don't know, I know a lot of our listeners in the world of the Loving Liberty Network and, and the Liberty Moms podcast are very astute to what is going on with our food supply. And uh, most recently, we've had another egg factory that was destroyed by fire. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible, the different. Um, and then there's the Ohio toxic, the toxic mm-hmm. burning Then Ohio is one of the, I think it's the second top producer in the country for eggs. So, and a bunch of people's chickens are dying out there, fish are dying. So who knows how that's going to affect egg production. Yeah. So we don't know the full fallout of that catastrophe. And I don't even know how it happened. It was a, there was a train derailment mm-hmm. of chemicals. Yeah, so it spo- it spilled the, the ingredients that create PVC pipes, and in its liquid form, it's highly highly toxic. And essentially, what happened is they decided to burn it because yeah. other cleanup efforts would take longer and would delay them being able to get the rail back online. But burning it basically just released it all into the atmosphere. Mm. So that affects, well, I mean. People are seeing the effects like 100 miles away so far. Yeah. That's what that's what I've seen. And nothing on the official media is covering it. So you kind of have to scroll through Twitter and Reddit to really know what's going on. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that, that is going to be very, very catastrophic because I think they said the water source in that area affected, um, there, is it 30 million? People? Yeah, and it, it feeds all the way down. To Louisiana. So it's a major tributary all the way down to the Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. So, wow, what a, what a coincidence or what, <laughs> that it would hit in this really densely populated plus the. Well, if you want to get even crazier, they made a movie last year called uh, White Noise that was in filmed in East Palestine and set in the 1980s. And it's about a train derailment that sets off a giant toxic plume and it's like a off the wall, offbeat comedy about it. The book was written in 1985, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it's just, we live in a crazy time. <laughs> See, that's so strange. Cause that's exactly where this trend. I know. Was. I know it's really weird. Those, the people in that movie, there was a lot of them that were extras that live in East Palestine. And now they're having to do a real evacuation when they were oh, part man. of a filmed evacuation this last year, or at least whenever it was filming. <laughs> wow. Wow, that is crazy. So we're setting the stage to what is happening currently in our world because that just happened last week. And there's going to be fallout that we haven't even seen the full effect of. That's right. And so um, 
we are in a position where we need to be doing something different. The status quo and uh, living our lives the way we've been living them isn't going to be enough because they are, um, we've got the powers that be, whomever that may be, are working extra hard to make sure that we are losing our food supply and our water supply. And so People Restored, you have been, um, you've been involved in, like I say, it was education before with the opt-out program, but Mm -hmm. you've been um, making yourself broader, I guess, by um, now you've got our Save Our Ranchers is your thing that you're working on right now. And so right. maybe we should get into that part, the Save the Ranchers, and maybe introduce the uh, the app that's coming out because that yeah. comes out this month, I believe, in February, right? No, so it's it probably it's the the Crofter app won't be coming out till March, the end of March is what they um, what Bobby's development team is saying. Uh, yeah, so essentially, uh, the easiest way to think about it is what we were doing this last fall was we were trying to engage in some key political action uh, with our community. But what we've really been building towards this entire time is is what we're launching with the, the private membership community. Uh, but before I jump into that, I'll cover what the app is with Save Our Ranchers. So it sounds like your audience is already pretty familiar with the supply chain disruptions. And to, just to paint that picture really clearly in a few simple words, uh, we're, our entire uh, production is hyper-reliant on global supply chains. Um, our fertilizer comes from halfway around the world. We ship our food halfway around the world, and this this is um, this causes a lot of uh, a, a lot of fragility. Um, it's very efficient the, the the way that they're running things. It doesn't seem like that on the surface, but it actually is very efficient. It's not it's not foolishness. It's it's very much adopting the Toyota just in time model, but to an extent that even a Toyota doesn't do because Toyota maintains reserves and maintains the ability to handle a supply chain issue, but we don't. So the estimate is that we would be out of food on the shelves within two weeks if there was a major supply chain disruption. Uh, so that's the that's the main challenge we're facing. We grow lots of food here, but most of it is shipped out halfway around the world. And a lot of the food that we get in the grocery stores, like Utah grows apples, it grows cherries, it grows a lot of these things, and we don't actually get them from Utah in our in our grocery store. They're coming from places like Turkey or the Middle East or you know somewhere in Europe. They're they're coming from all over the world. Yeah, that might be something our listeners might not be aware of because you would you would want to logically think that food grown in Utah would feed yeah, Utah, right? But that's right. not the case. That's not the case now. You could literally have an entire podcast about the health implications of that, by the way, because um, I, I did work in the gut microbiome industry for a while. And so I know a lot about what uh, bombarding your system with food from all over the world effectively can do to your health. Um, but that's another subject. But essentially what Crofter is attempting to do is Crofter is a marketplace app that's being developed by uh, Bobby Clayson, who is a tech, a very successful tech entrepreneur, very close friend of mine. And essentially the idea behind this is to create a two-faced network here in Utah that would allow uh, members of the the community of the valleys to connect directly to ranchers, directly to farmers, and be able to buy their food directly from them so that way you're getting it locally, you're able to uh, 
avoid the disruptions of the global supply chain issues. And by creating that marketplace, it will actually help us relocalize our supply chain processes. So that way there is less likely to, to be a major disruption. That doesn't mean there won't be any disruption, but less, less of a disastrous uh, disruption. And it, will, uh, and it will also help grow um, our local economy in the sense that it's going to be focusing on, on developing uh, local usage of resources and, and, and obviously benefiting the ranchers here in Utah who are struggling due to the monopoly and the cartel-like behavior of the, the big four meat processing uh, plants. Okay, so that's what I wanted to kind of explore a little bit more because I wasn't aware of that, but Carson uh, was mentioning this uh, last week and, and how there there is a cartel and there's mm -hmm. four meat processing plants and they're the ones that are making all the money in that's the right. meat industry. And the ranchers, from what I what was being told last week, was that it's like fourteen cents to. Um, yeah, so there's, they call it an like a, a food dollar or an agriculture dollar. I'm sure I'm using the term wrong, but basically what it is is every dollar that's brought into agriculture, how much of that money is going to the producer? And right now with beef, it's fourteen cents. And uh, if you know anything about beef production and uh, raising cattle, it's not cheap. It's not a cheap process. And a lot of ranchers have been forced into, uh, into circumstances where they can't even uh, do all of their own, their own production in order to try to be efficient. And even so, they're still losing their shirts. I mean, the average rancher in the U.S. is in debt $1.7 million. Well, that, that's... I mean, it's outrageous. It's unsustainable, and obviously, uh, they're in a place where they can't afford to keep to continue on. I mean, and right. it's not that they they, you know, I I look at Carson, and I mean, he seems to live what he um, uh, his. What do I? How do I want to explain that? I mean, he's a rancher, but that's that's who he is. Yeah, that's and, who he is. And he wants to do it. It's like these ranchers want to provide. They know they're providing a service. They're providing food. But yet they have been so um, restricted. And in, in Utah, this cartel that's going on is just not allowing them to get the money they need to continue working. Yeah. And most of the local meat processing in Utah, a lot of it is not part of that big four, but their capacity is limited. Uh, so that's the challenge is that they they have set record low prices for these ranchers. Feed is at all time high for them. And they're, the, the higher price you're paying at the grocery store for ground beef, for example, is not going to the rancher. It's not at all. They're making less money. And so what's already happened as of this last year is ranchers have begun to reduce production. So just so you know, if I'm not mistaken, again, I'm, I'm still learning a lot of these cycles. Um, it's about an 18-month cycle for, ranch pro for uh, beef production, which means that if last year they're reducing their cattle, their, their breeding, that means this year, later in the fall, we are going to see um, a steep drop off in the availability of meat. And there's, and so what, what essentially Crofter is attempting to do is siphon off a section of that marketplace where these ranchers can, con can be in contact with you directly as a consumer here in Utah. And I'm assuming a lot of people are going to do this in the beginning, but it'll allow you to buy a quarter or a half of beef, which a lot of these, a lot of these ranchers are already comfortable doing. And then you go pick it up at the meat processing plant and you put it in your freezer. That's what I do uh, every year is I put half a cow in a freezer and we just have it. That doesn't mean we don't still go to the grocery store for some stuff, but we have meat for the whole year. 
And the nice thing is, is that if we can do that, we can break that monopoly. Um, there's already people entering the production process in Utah. There's a big processing plant that's going down in Nephi that's supposed to, that's supposed to help with all of this. But the, the real thing that we're trying to solve and that Crofter's trying to solve is connecting these producers directly to consumers so that they're making the money. They're the ones actually profiting from that as opposed to um, these processing plants making all of the money. So good point on that, Philip. And the other thing I want our listeners to realize is that in the same way that you mentioned earlier how the food source is coming from other parts of the world, we when you go to the grocery store, and I don't buy meat in the grocery store, but if you do buy meat in the grocery store, the likelihood that it came from Utah or the United States is very low. And you're looking at a country that it came from that might have different uh, levels of inspection and quality. Yep. And so that puts it um, that puts it at risk. And I, it, what's interesting, I was just um, visiting with my, I have a naturopath doctor and uh, we were talking about the Lyme issue and how people get um, exposed to Lyme disease. And it's not necessarily just from a tick, but it can be from a mosquito and also tainted meat. Mm -hmm. And so um, you've always got this idea that you're not getting, you want meat as fresh as possible. And the only way to get it as fresh as possible and in the environment and the standards that you're used to is by having it come locally. So right. there's a huge need for this Crofter app and that's C-R-O-F like Frank, T-E-R Crofter. And that is going to be launching in March now, right? At the end of March. Yeah. And then, our, March. and then our private membership community is we're in our pre-launch phase, meaning that um, and that's might've been where you got the date that we're coming out in February is that the private membership community is going to be launched to the public at the end of this month. Right now we're doing some early adopters and we're doing some early businesses to kind of set the tempo and everything. But um, that's probably where you got that date from is that the private membership community is actually ready to go. Okay. So let's, let's shift over to the, the private, private membership communities. Cause I've been familiar with private membership associations. And I think a lot of our listeners would relate to being involved or connected into some of these, such as a Costco mm -hmm. or, um, uh, gosh, what are some others? Um, there's country clubs. Oh, yeah. uh, if you, yeah. if you sent your kids to a private school, that's a form of a private agreement. Um, if you were part of like one of the, the fraternal, uh, organizations. A lot of those are private associations. Okay. Um, so, but what you've done is you're expanding and creating, not expanding, but you're creating a private membership community. And there's some mm -hmm. very important features that are appealing, would be appealing to people to be part of that community versus just staying status quo in our, um, corporate construct of the United States of America. Right. <laughs> because we're in we're in a corporate construct, right? Right. I like the way you phrase that. I, I like yeah. thinking about it that way. <laughs> right. So what what we're doing is in a the for those of you that aren't familiar with what private membership is, is it it's essentially a contractual arrangement between parties. So uh, if we all enter into a contract together that we're going to uh, 
be in a club like if I've been in a gun club before that's a private association and it's not open to the public and only club members can go to the clubhouse, right? That's a, that's a private association. Um, what we're aiming to do with this concept is two things. So first of all, we're aiming to build an, an actual alternative marketplace economy and social, social community that will allow people to, to cover things from being uncancelable all the way to actually being able to help promote what we were talking about earlier, and that is relocalizing our industry and actually allowing people the ease of, of spending their money uh, with, with organizations and with other people that share their values instead of feeding the beast, as I like to call it, where you know, you're shopping at, at companies that are spending the money you give them to attack your rights and attack your values and attack your families, right? Um, the old joke I always say at my presentations are, don't shop with Amazon. Okay, well, so who do you shop with? Well, don't, don't shop, with, shop with Walmart. They hate you too. Oh, don't shop with Target. They don't like you. It just turns into a spiral of negativity, and we want it to be something that's positive. Um, the second part of that is to create legal protections that actually protect you, your values, and your rights from a contractual standpoint rather than simply just trying to defend them at Capitol Hill. And I think okay. that we're, go ahead. Oh, so with that private membership um, community, then you are going to now, once you join this particular community, if you choose to be part of it, you're actually going to have some legal protection mm -hmm. that you don't have outside in the corporate construct because the way the corporation is set up in the United States of America you don't really have any rights. The, the constitution doesn't even apply right. in that particular, um, all I can do is call it a construct because I don't know what else to call it, but that's what we're living in. Um, and so this puts you back where you do have protection with the constitution and the, the laws that pertain to the constitution protects the individual owners, or not owners, but members. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the challenges you run into is the fact that uh, you have a public marketplace and the federal government has decided that thanks to the Interstate Commerce Clause and the General Welfare Clause, they have the right to regulate, regulate commerce at an extreme level, whatever level they decide they want to. And then you have the problem that corporations have realized this power and over the last couple hundred years have slowly realized that um, controlling Controlling the marketplace and controlling the customers and controlling people um, can be done either through uh, through mass, uh, ma like it can be done through money or it can be done through direct government power. And they basically have, we're, we're at a point now, like you said, where it's pretty much a corporate marketplace. Uh, you can't, if you pay attention to what Mar Marlo Oaks is joke, talking about, uh, you literally can't, won't be in a position where your business can borrow money unless it has the right social environmental scores. Right. So it's a trap that's closing in on people. And what we're aiming to do is disrupt that trap and actually create an avenue for people to be able to build and be successful outside of it. OK, so, wow, this is this is huge. So I am so excited about the people restored and how you have all come together and looked at this massive problem that's really at our doorstep right now and have come together to, to create a solution to help us. So um, we're going to do more talking about this 
private member communities. But we have to take a short break here with our Liberty Moms podcast. So we're going to be back just shortly after this short break. Thank you for listening in. To the Liberty Moms podcast, Chris Kimball hosting today, and I'm talking with Philip Taylor of the uh, People's Restored. And oh my goodness, this is amazing! This concept that uh, the People Restored have come up with with this private membership community. And uh, if you did not get a chance to uh, listen into the first half of our discussion that got into the 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 Meet app and uh, the Crofters app that will help you with accessing meat here locally in Utah. Make sure you listen to that. But we're going to talk more about this private membership communities and how it, how they're very um, viable. Uh, they've they've been tested and proven. And I guess the example that we heard last week was with the private school and how in California. Everyone heard about the idea that everyone had to be masked, of course, right? And they were masking everyone in school. And there were four schools in California that did not mask their children. And that was Mm -hmm. because they were private schools and they had certain language in their uh, agreement that um, superseded anything that the governor was trying to implement, right? That's correct. So... I mean, the governor still tried to do it, and what they did is they filed a lawsuit in the Ninth Circuit Court, which is pretty much, if not the at least the second most liberal anti-freedom court the court in the in the system in the country. Even they ruled in the favor of these private contracts. So, like like I mentioned, there's basically two two elements to this. Uh, we're trying to build a marketplace in a community, which is way more complex than an association. This isn't a club for a specific purpose. This is a community whose design is to allow people to live their normal lives and interact with the world in a normal way, but to actually start uh, protecting their rights and building something that they actually want to live in, as opposed to fighting against something they don't want to live in. Uh, so one of the one of the questions I always get right up the front, um, which is kind of funny, is no, this is not like moving a bunch of people into a compound into the mountains or anything crazy like that. Um, it's a community. And you still live in your normal community, right? Like a lot of us are a part of different religions and you have a community of your religious following. And that doesn't mean that you don't still live out in the general public, right? Uh, But what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I'm associating with these people who share my beliefs. And that's essentially what a private private membership community does. Um, Would you prefer I talk about how we're going to create that alternative for people or would you prefer uh i talk about like the legal protections first um let's let's talk about the first part about creating the community yeah right so there's a couple aspects to this uh the first thing is is that we need to make it so that people can be uncancelable um I, i had a very interesting experience during covid where I was at the Capitol, I think you were there actually, and I was there with uh, Shannon Galladay, and the, several of us were talking about like why there aren't any men uh, fighting fighting for kids' rights and all of this, right? Like where are the dads? And I gave a lot of thought to that. And what I realized is like most of the men that I knew 
were very concerned about engaging in this and what it meant for their careers, their businesses. And their whole thought was like, I have to provide for my family. Like, I don't really have an alternative option. And that kind of puts us in a unique spot in Utah because we are so big family centric is that dads are often afraid of that. And so what, what I realized is that we needed to create something that would provide people the ability to still protect and provide for their families and that we could protect them so that they could do that and they could then they could stand up for the things that they care about, right? So one of the things that we have to do is we have to start associating voluntarily and doing business with people who share our values. Um, the other side does this and they do it very effectively and now they've climbed to the point where they can cancel you if you don't. So what we're doing is we're building a network of businesses and households who are voluntarily, uh, there's, there's going to be a professional network so they can employ and work with each other. There's going to be, uh, there's already going to be um, the ability to be a consumer of these businesses so you can support businesses that share your values. And the, the best part is, is rather than having to do all this homework of like who doesn't hate you, the businesses are signing the same values agreement that you're signing, which means that they're held to the same standard that you're held to. So when they're in the community, you can do business with them with the freedom of knowledge that they share your values and they're upholding your values. So it becomes a much simpler experience and it allows you to put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Another big piece of that is... Well, I just can, want to make one quick comment oh, go before we it. move on to the other piece, because this, I think COVID really opened our eyes into becoming aware of the, ne the necessity of knowing who is like-minded. That's right. And, and uh, it really, uh, it really brought it home, like right to the doorstep, because <laughs> I just know it, even in my own um neighborhood, so to speak, I maybe had one or two, three neighbors that I felt were on the same page that I could um, trust and uh, knew that they had the same values that I had, you know, about liberty and agency and um, medical freedom, that sort of thing. And so I would rather give my money to those individuals at, at, like you said, the left is very good at doing that, and they've built huge platforms, and now they're canceling um, mm -hmm. speech that doesn't um, follow their value system. And so we need to be doing the same thing. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for getting yeah. this set up. So no problem. Well, it's 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 still a work in progress, right? But yeah. no, the the idea here is more than anything is to build what you want to have instead of fighting instead of just fighting against what you don't want to have. And this lets you build, and it doesn't require you to be you know, to give up, you know, days at a time at the Capitol, just by living your life the right way, you can be building this community. Uh, the other aspect of this is this isn't just like there's, there's services out there and I don't want to dissuade people from leveraging them, but there's things out there that say, oh, this company shares your values. That this is more than that. This is participating in something that you are under an agreement with, with each other that actually builds up a series of legal protections for you as well. But we're going, before I jump into that, we're basically going, we're, we're laying the foundation for an actual marketplace where your family can have security, where they can have uh, income, where they can buy healthy food, where they can associate with businesses so that they can't be canceled. And in the long run, we can actually build something that lets us go back and push back and expand our rights again in the country. Um, the way that we do that is through the private membership agreement 
we are creating, I want to say, a very complex, but a series of defenses that will protect your values and it'll protect your uh, way of life and it'll protect things you may not even be thinking about right now, um, like food production and things like that. Um, the way that we do that is we're doing that through contract law. Okay. So, uh, what a lot of people don't realize, or, or probably your group knows better than most, and that is that your constitutional rights really don't, that that's not a very strong argument in the court system. I mean, you have to, you have to do a lot to make the constitutional argument land. Um, but there, and so it's, it's really hard sometimes to push, get back against government and say, you're violating my constitutional rights. Like they, like it's, it, it's, I don't want to say it's the boy who cried wolf because it's not, but in their mind it is. That's just like, that's just what people say anytime they don't like the government doing something. Right. And it doesn't have a strong legal history. What does have an incredibly strong legal history in this country, 150 years of it, is the arrangement of private contract. Uh, private contracts are highly protected in our court systems, even in the most liberal of our court systems. And the reason for being, being for this is that the most powerful people in this country, this is how they associate with each other. This is how they give each other money. And this is how they fund each other is through private contracts. So we're leveraging the same concepts and the same ideas that they use to protect themselves to start protecting us. And the advantage of doing that is that if they start letting the courts destroy private contracts, they expose their own efforts and their own, they, they, they weaken their own tools, if that makes sense. Um, so what we're really doing is we're building a series of defenses through contract law so that I'll give you an example of this to make it really real, right? Um, in our community, it's a requirement that you do something to be self-reliant and we specifically itemize do something to produce your own food now i'm not going to be like the organization is not being like really specific about this i don't care if it's a basil plant or a tomato plant in your your apartment window or whether you're trying to build a family farm like i'm doing the point is is that we know um, or at least we anticipate that there's going to be a major effort to radically reduce limit and eliminate people's ability to grow and raise their own food um, if you're not already seeing the signs of that, you can reach out to me and I can send you a bunch of stuff on it. But it's a major effort in this country. And what we're doing is we're making it a requirement of membership so that when they come to our community and say, you can't have chickens because we're we're now restricting that only licensed people can raise chickens because there's flu, there's illness dangers or contagions that spread through birds and some other bullcrap that we know they're gonna they're gonna push. We can go to court against that government and say, you're forcing us to be in breach of contract because one of our contractual obligations to each other is that we raise our own food and that we sell it to each other. And so even if you're just doing something bare minimal, you're actually contributing to what's called legal precedence. If we can show that it's an intrinsic part of our community, that people in our community grow things and they sell them to each other and they share them with each other, then we can go to court and fight for that right in the community. That, that doesn't mean we'll overturn the law. But what it does mean is that we can create a almost like a grandfathered protection for our community within the law. And that has been tried and tested um, many, many times over many high profile issues throughout the country over the last 150 years. See, I, I love this idea because the, the courts are operating, again, in corporate law. And That's so right. you're using one of their tools that they honor. They yep. honor corporate contracts and all of that. That's and correct. So, um, and then you're just 
teaching the members that come in that in order for that to to have precedence, it just requires whatever level you want to do, whether it's minimal, like you say, growing mm -hmm. an herb or whatever in your home um, to provide food, or whether it's raising chickens or having a cow right. or whatever. Um, that is just adding the um, the the precedence that this is what this community standard is. This is our standard and this That's is what right. we all agree to do. And and that has to be honored. So I think it's brilliant. I mean, because again, as you say, this is how all of the um, the elitists operate in the world is under contract um, law. And now you're using that same vehicle to protect people that want to live a more um, self-sufficient and liberty-minded lifestyle. Right, right. And we do the same thing with our moral values as a community. We require our members of our community to adhere to the traditional Judeo-Christian ethics standards. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, we need, we need, like, we are past the point in this country of, of just mind your own business. I hate to say it, but we are. That was the 90s and early 2000s. And the woke mob, want, like before it was the woke mob, won the right to live whatever crazy lifestyle they wanted to live. But that wasn't enough for them. It's been a big convincing moment in my life. It's what transformed me from a lot of my political beliefs is that I've just become convinced that evil can't be left alone. It can't be left alone. It will always seek to influence everybody else. It's, it can never just be left in its own space. So we've reached beyond that point. And so now people have to voluntarily say, I'm going to live by a different standard we're we're encapsulating that under contract so that we can fight for that right in in the courts and the truth is is that you, we will be attacked a member of our community will be attacked the, a major portion of what the government's been able to accomplish isn't because what it did was legal or right it's because it could it could do it unopposed right and if you as a small business owner or as a family face the threat of like the FDA coming in and you want to go fight them in the Supreme Court. Well, I can tell you how much money it costs to go to the Supreme Court. It costs, with attorneys and everything, about $160,000. So can you afford to put yourself that far into debt or lose that much money on the chance that you might still lose your rights, right? Most people can't. And so they just steamroll past and the regulation sets its own precedent. What we're doing also by building this community is creating almost like a collective legal fight so that if a member of our community is attacked, we can go defend them and use the resources and the legal resources to protect that right and then set precedent for the entire community. So that's the idea is that we're actually coming together and building something. And then we're using um, these tools to collectively build protections rather than letting every person try to stand on their own, which is really where the right's at right now is every household. It's his own Island. Every business is its own Island. And instead we're bringing them together in, under contract into a real community. Wow. So you have thought through like so many of the different angles because that has been, again, COVID, we, we saw how individuals who wanted to sue the government because they were shutting down their businesses or they were forcing their children to, um, uh, wear a medical device when they didn't need to wear a medical device, such as a mask. Right. And when they tried to sue these individuals, these, um, well, these entities of government, they couldn't get anywhere because they've all created enmity, um, uh, indemnity clauses so that laws so that they can't be sued, which right. is, con which is 
totally contrary to the Constitution because right. they take an oath that they're bound by. And yet, again, the, the Constitution means nothing in this corporate construct that they operate in. And yeah, it so, means it means something if you can pay for it, right? And that's that's sadly the truth is that if you can pay to fight it, you can sometimes win. But you have to be strategic about how you fight things. And I mean that that to me is probably I mean there's a lot of really important things we're doing, and I really enjoy talking the strategy because that's the thing I'm the most excited about. But the truth is, is the most important part about this is that we have to start deciding whether we're going to one by one be swept away. And that is happening. Like if you haven't seen it in your own community, then you're not paying attention because there's only two options. You either do that and you lose or you start building something you want to be a part of. And that can't be something as simple as like you and your friends. It has to be something bigger. And that's what we're trying to build is something that can encapsulate pretty much everybody of shared value. And we know that in our community, there's going to be some varying political views. And that's great. We want that um, because this organization is technically nonpartisan. We're not up lobbying for specific issues. The only thing we legally fight is our right to exist and our right to enforce our values within our community, which also makes it really easy for family members or friends or business owners who are concerned about like they don't want to be drawn into the middle of the of the political crosshairs, right? The best part about being a part of this community is you're not a part of anything political. Now our members, a lot of our members are very political and they go participate in political organizations, but the community itself isn't political. It's mm-hmm. it's value driven. It's a it's a it's a value organization of shared voluntary participation. Okay, wow, that's interesting. Okay, that's a good uh a good thing to point out because that could deter some people who feel like, Oh, I don't want to be involved in politics, but I do want to be, I do like the idea of, again, associating with like-minded people. And that's right. And, uh, okay. So let's tell our listeners how like this isn't coming online quite yet, but how they can get involved if they choose to be part of this. Right. So within the next day, you should be able to go to our website. It's the the thepeoplerestored.com or thepeoplerestored.org. You can go to either one that goes to the same spot. And you can go through. The membership agreement will be fully available for you to review. You sign the membership agreement. Um, you have to pay an annual due. Uh, legally speaking, we have to charge these. But honestly, in order to fund a community, you have to pay. You have to fund it, right? Um, but Our goal with this was to keep this as cheap and reasonable for our community as possible. So there's two pieces to this. Um, If you're a household, the membership is kind of like Costco. Everybody in your home is covered. So you, you, your spouse, your children, where it's just one fee. It's not the membership isn't individualized. Um, And that's only $150 a year. So very, very affordable. For the legal protections alone, you're paying a ridiculous fraction of the actual cost, but then the benefits of the community are, are you know, I don't even know how to, to fully explain the value of that because it's just growing as we go. Um, the second part is, is if you're a business owner and you'd like your business to be uh, part of this community, and again, they can still be open to the public, but they can also be part of the community. That's the idea is that you're not going anywhere. Um, that's $500 a year and you actually get marketed to the community as saying, Hey, I'm one of the businesses that will support you in your values. So we're keeping it really low cost. I expect over the years, it'll go up as the value of what we're doing goes up. But obviously we want to keep this as low and cheap as possible so that households can participate. They can be a part of it without this being a major financial decision. 
Um, one of the other things we're doing to help people fund that, by the way, and help keep the community funded is if you're familiar with, uh, are, are you, uh, I don't know if your community is familiar with the Goldbacks program. Are you guys familiar with that at all? Uh, you know, I'm a little familiar with it. I've been uh, exposed to it at a couple of different conferences, but go ahead and share a little bit about that. Yeah. So when you become a member, um, uh, one of the things you also agree to is accepting some form of alternative currency. If you don't see the strategy on planning with that, then I can jump into it, but that's, it's all part of the game. Right. So one of those alternative currencies is we met the founder of Goldbacks. His name is Jeremy Corden, and he invented uh, a form of currency that's made out of physical gold, but he created a technology that lets him shave it all the way down to like one one thousandth of an ounce. So the, the downside with doing business in gold is a gold coin, an ounce of gold is worth two grand right now. It's hard to do regular transactions that way, right? This is one one thousand, so it's basically about four dollars in value, and he's agreed to have it be a, a, a currency in our community, and so we actually set members up that they can actually be subscribed to Goldbacks to help fund their membership even. But basically, every business in our community will be accepting this as a form of transaction, so they can actually accept uh, they can do transactions in gold as well. Um, so that's something else that you can be a part of. But basically, the whole idea to become part of the community is you read through that agreement and you say, this is who I am. This is a standard I'm willing to live by. And then you sign the agreement, you pay the membership fee, and you're part of the community. You receive all the benefits of the community. There's no weird limitations. Um, and basically, now you're part of it and you're helping build it. Philip, I'm so glad you brought up the goldbacks because that is an important part of what is going on. I happen to have one right here. I know our listeners oh, can't sweet. Me see too. it, <laughs> but I I have one that I picked up at the Red Pill University that was here in Utah a couple of months ago. But we have to have this currency because they're trying to move us into a digital That's right. world of currency, which will be another control function of how we can operate. In, in that community that they're trying to push us into, the Great Reset. And so again, the goals, having that as an option, I think is, it's very well thought out, this whole P PMC. So um, I would really highly recommend our listeners to go. And as you said, tomorrow, by the time this goes on the air next week, it'll be up and running. It'll but all be live. Yeah, and anybody who wants to, they can they can sign up to be an early adopter. You might get a call to be interviewed if you're not referred by somebody because we are trying to keep this tight-knit. Uh, the main thing is, is it's not a community if people don't know each other. So if we see a name that's not connected with anybody, then we're probably going to try to connect you with somebody. <laughs> right, I but. see. Okay, yeah, because I agree. I mean, you, um, you definitely want to make sure that um, people that are – um affiliating are on the up and up and really want to be part of the that's community. right yeah for that's sure. right and we are screening businesses and businesses are held to the same standards so that member agreement you'll look at is the exact same member agreement that a business is going to sign as well see and i see this uh expanding in i mean think about private schools and oh um, yeah you have no idea what our plan is with education we've got we could, we could literally talk for hours about all of the little games that we're planning. So education is a big piece of that for sure. Yeah, so is healthcare. education, oh my goodness. Yeah, that has to be a big piece because we can see, I mean, uh, public education is just a dumpster fire. I mean, it's just <laughs> so, and and the fact that they, that they're allowing um, that ideology, the um, LGBTQ to dominate what is taking place in the classrooms. I mean, parents have got to really, um, step up and and uh, consider an, another alternative. 
Yeah, we're building legal protection specifically for parental rights. Um, but the, the truth is, is that like the truth with that is like you're not going to get those rights in your public schools. They're going to slowly be diminished. So my recommendation is get your kids out of public schools. <laughs> exactly. I, I can I concur. Philip Taylor, thank you for being with me today. This is the people for you to go and uh, look over this uh, private membership contract and see if this is something that will work for you. But thank you. Thank you for all of your work and putting this together. And there's others. I know that's not just you. There's others yeah, there is. that are involved in this whole process. And so um, I'm very hopeful. This has given me hope that there's another uh, option for us to retain our liberties as we continue to move forward. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you for listening in. This is the Liberty Moms podcast, and we'll um, hear from you next week on the Loving Liberty Network. 